dedicated to suspense, crime, and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. We love mysterious old radio stories, but do they stand the test of time? That's what we're here to find out. This week I chose an episode of The Chase entitled The Newspaper Reporter. The Chase debuted on NBC April 4th, 1952, and ran a little over a year, bowing out June 28th, 1953. As the title suggests, the chase focused on stories of pursuit, pitting the hunter against the hunted in a desperate struggle for survival. Veteran radio announcer Fred Collins provided the show's distinctive opening, inviting listeners to enter the chase. A few years later, Collins gave voice to radio's most famous countdown on X-1. The Chase was created by radio writer Lawrence Klee. In the early 40s, Klee wrote for the popular soap opera Hearts in Harmony and later for Chaplin Jim, a wartime production designed to boost troop morale. Later in the war, Klee donated his time and talents to the Victory Players of the American Theater Wing, an organization of professional writers and actors who created patriotic material for the war effort. After the war, Klee created his first original series for radio, The Clock followed by stints as a writer on The Fat Man and Mr. Keen, Tracer of Lost Persons, before creating another successful series, Man Against Crime. Both The Clock and Man Against Crime were adapted for brief runs on television, and in early 1953, NBC began production on a television version of The Chase as well. It was planned to star Doug Fowley, who later found television success playing Doc Holliday in The Life and Legend of Wyatt Earp, But for reasons lost to time, NBC abandoned work on the TV series at the same time it canceled the radio version. And now let's listen to The Newspaper Reporter from The Chase, originally broadcast May 25th, 1952. It's late at night, and a chill has set in. You're alone, and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker. Listen to the music, and listen to the voices. The National Broadcasting Company invites you by transcription to join The Chase. animal world, there is the hunter and the hunted. Hound and fox. Hawk and sparrow. Chicken and worm. We in the topmost species have also joined the hunt. But who is to judge precisely which of us are hounds or foxes as we enter the chase? You're a bum. You heard me. You're a bum. This is Charlie Morgan telling it right to you in your own dictaphone, Potter. 
Because of your pig-headedness, you missed the biggest news beat since the atom bomb, and I'm laughing at you, Potter, right up my sleeve. I only wish the joke was really funny. But it's, it's sad, Potter. It's downright pitiful. Remember the day you canned me, Mr. Editor? Remember the day you bounced me off the staff? Big wheel, sitting on a rubber inner tube behind your lousy desk, fat, complacent, smug. A law unto yourself down here in South America. Top foot kisser for the Continental Press. Yeah, I can still see you wiggle that fat cigar around your greasy mouth and hear you tell me. Morgan, you're fired. I... I'm what? Fired. Five-letter word. Look it up. Synonym for bounce, can, withhold salary from, and dismiss without notice. Why? Why what? Am I fired? Oh, several reasons. I won't list them all, just two of them. A, you drink too much. B, you're a rotten reporter. Now, wait a minute. No pardon arguing, Charlie. As a newspaper man, you're through. Particularly here in South America. And you know it. Yeah. I guess I do. The AP fired you first, and you lost your birth with UP. I gave you a birth here on Continental because I felt sorry for you. You didn't appreciate it. I don't want to lecture, Potter. Too much vino, Charlie. Too many senoritas. This is a newspaper office. Not Hollywood's version of what a newspaper office ought to be like. Days are gone when reporters wore their hats on the backs of their heads and scooped it down while having a quick one at Harry's speak. you got to work for a living if you want to keep a job, Johnny. Yeah, I guess you're right. Well, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll stake you to the tourist plane fare back to New York. It's 5,500 miles due north, Charlie. And I don't expect you to walk. Keep your stake, Potter. Oh? I'll get along. Maybe you're right about the hooch and Dane. But when you call me a rotten reporter, I should have kicked your teeth. Don't try any rough stuff, Morgan. Blind drunk, I'm better than you'll ever be, and I'll prove it. How? I... I'll... I'll let you know. Right after I wind up cockeyed. You were half right anyway, Potter. I couldn't hold a job. That's why I came down to S.A. in the first place. My rep in the States was getting too bad. But the atmosphere south of the Amazon didn't change me, Potter. And I knew it when I wandered into that tourist-ridden cocktail lounge at the El Cato Hotel and found a place for myself at the bar. Un scotch, chico. Pronto. Un martini muy seco, por favor. Dispense usted, señor. You are an American reporter, are you not? I was. You do not remember me? No. The name is Gonzalez. We met in Rio two years ago. I worked for a magazine at that time, El Estilo. So what? I have something to offer you, senor, for a little money. No, thanks. But you do not even know what it is I have for Whatever sale. it is, I'm not interested. Go peddle it somewhere else. If that is how you feel about the most astounding piece of news since Hiroshima? What are you gassing about? I am taking a big risk by talking to you this way, senor. More than one man has been thrown into the river for the piranha fish to feast on. Within minutes, they can strip onto the bone so that nothing is left. You're a cheerful character. But for a sum, senor, a small sum, I will give you the news beat of the century. You better try drinking your martinis through a straw. You're loaded. Don't be a fool. Won't you even listen to me? I'm listening, but you don't say anything. What's this big news scoop all about? I can only tell you at this time that it concerns a missing person. A man the world thought was dead who has suddenly reappeared. Oh, big deal. It is a big deal, senor. And since you are so stubborn about it... Uh, wait, wait, wait a minute. 
Well? All right. You've got a beat. I'll buy it if it's right. But, uh, what is it? Will you pay $500? Mm, maybe. Do you have $500 in American money? I can get it. Very well, senor. In that case, you're being watched, senor. Watched? Do not look around. I am in the hotel, room 413. Meet me there in exactly one hour. 413. Leave the hotel first and then return. Make sure you are not followed, senor. Your life may depend on it. He turned and slunk out of the bar like an animal, afraid of being cornered. I waited ten minutes, then walked through the lobby and left the hotel. I strolled up the avenue to kill a little time, then crossed the plaza and started to circle back. It was at that point that I first had the feeling of being shadowed. Twenty minutes later, I was standing in front of room 413. I wrapped one. Waited. Then wrapped again. Then I tried the door and found it open. The room seemed empty at first, but when I crossed to the window, I saw an arm sticking out from behind the couch. There was a body attached to the arm, Potter. Gonzalez's body. And as I lifted his head, I saw the bullet hole in his chest. Gonzalez. Senor. Morgan. Who plugged you, Gonzalez? Tell me. They know about you, senor. And you will be next. Run. Run, senor. For your life. The next thing I heard was a death rattle, and I lowered what was left of Gonzalez to the floor. My first impulse was to get out of there fast, but as I started for the door, I noticed a photograph standing near the bed. It was a picture of a woman, and I grabbed it on a hunch and yanked it out of the frame. That was when they made attempt number one, Potter, to shut me up. The shot came from the window, and they missed me by a hair. I bounded out into the car and started racing down the hall when I heard footsteps behind me, and I knew I was being chased. I could almost hear the next two bullets whistle past my ear, and it was no time to stand on ceremony. I grabbed the nearest doorknob with a prayer that was answered when the door pushed open, and I slammed in and locked it behind me as I staggered into somebody's room. I beg your pardon? I, oh, I, excuse me. I, may I ask who you are? Ten more seconds, and it would have been who I was. What are you doing in my room? I'm running, mister. Running? Yeah, from a gun. Somebody out in that car that thinks there's an open season on Americans. <laughs> Is this some kind of practical joke? Didn't you hear the shots? No. Well, I heard them, mister, and they were meant for me. Just a moment, my uh, Don't friend. open that door. Please. Well? All is empty. You're sure? Look for yourself. Yeah, the guy who was chasing me must have taken a powder, which suits me fine. Please, um, exactly what is this all about? Man's been murdered in room 413. On this floor? Let me see. Now, wait a minute, mister. They've had five tries at me up to now, and I don't want number six to hit the jackpot. I tell you, there's no one here in the corridor, my friend. Now, uh, show me the corpse. This way. Incidentally, um, who are you? Charlie Morgan's my name. Well, mine is Steuben. And, uh, uh, Charlie, do you mind if I suggest that you have uh, 
Liquor on your breath? Okay, okay. So I had a quick one. One, mind you. That's not enough to dream up a yarn like this, is it? This, uh... This is the room. Very well. The room is empty, my friend. Empty? Quite. But... But he was lying over there near the couch. <laughs> Perhaps your corpse or down to the bar for a beer, huh? Oh, these boys work fast. They got him out of here while I was ducking slug. Oh, oh I'm sure now the Gonzales had a story. And what a story. If it's hot enough to kill for it, must be blazing. What kind of a story are you referring to? A missing man. Must be a big shot. I guess he turned up somewhere. But, but who? Where? I... What are you smiling at? What's that smiling you think I'm off my conk? No, not exactly. Perhaps you did run into something important, and the man was killed because of it. Wouldn't it be wiser to forget? Is that a suggestion or a threat? A threat? <laughs> Why should I threaten you? Look, I've got part of a front-page banner headline in my pocket, Bob, and if a certain fatted editor will give me five minutes... You can read all about it in the next edition. He smiled again, then stuck a monocle in the corner of his eye and looked me over like I was some kind of bug under glass. He was still gawking at me with all his molars showing when I left the room. As soon as I stepped out in the street from the hotel lobby, I knew I'd made another mistake. I should have called your potter from a home booth inside, but it was too late now. Right behind me, locking the doorway, was a guy with a chest like a barrel and a face like an ape's. He was watching me with an ugly scowl. One of his mitts was inside his pocket, wrapped around a gun. I began to walk, and so did he. And then I started to run. I tried to lose myself in the narrow street, but he stuck to me like glue, and any second I expected to hear his revolver crack and feel the lead burn through my spine. Then, just as I thought my legs would give out, I spotted a shopping arcade, and I ducked inside with the crowd. A few seconds later, I looked behind me, and... He was gone. I ducked into a phone booth. The Charlie Morgan Potter. Well, Charlie? Listen, I'm calling from a phone booth near the avenue of Rio Carter. I just got a tip at the Hotton. What kind of a tip? A guy's been missing. He's supposed to be dead, but he's shown up again. What guy? Uh, well, I don't know yet. Oh, brother. Oh, now, now, listen to me, Potter. What kind of a pitch are you trying to hand me, Morgan? You drunk again? Don't be a chump. A man's been murdered because of this thing. I saw his body. Where? The El Canto Hotel. You notify the police? I, well, no. I... Why not? Because his body disappeared. Along with the pink elephant? Oh, for the love of Mike, stop baiting me, will you? This is on the level, Potter. I swear it. I've got a photograph. Some dame. She might be his lady friend. If I can find out who she all is... All right, all right. Come up to the office. Let's see what goes. Do I get my job back if this thing hooks up? If it doesn't, I'll have you thrown in the river. Let the piranha fishes each get alive. <laughs> I'm on my way, Potter. Just sit tight. But I wasn't on my way, at least not yet, because I suddenly spotted the gorilla who'd been chasing me coming through the arcade. I ducked out of the phone booth just as he caught my eye, and we both started moving together. He was big, but I was fast. And ten seconds later, I tumbled into a cab that was parked in front of the arcade and yelled, Call him a test! Uno dos cinco! Pronto, hombre! 
I looked back through the window and saw him standing on the curb. The sun was down, the streets were getting dark, but I could have sworn I saw a smile on his face as my cab jumped away. Five minutes later, I knew the joke was on me. Drive it. Hombre. You call, senor? Where are you going? Calle Marte, senor. This isn't the way to the Calle Marte. You're going north. Si, senor. Como? A shortcut, senor. Esta usted bien seguro? Where si, senor. Hey, wait a minute. Stop the car. I'm getting out here. Did you hear me, hombre? Stop this jalopy, you stupid-looking crumb, before I... Be quiet, senor. And enjoy the ride. I saw it when I leaned over. A German Luger, as big as a cannon of a strapped to his gear shift, and he had one hand on the wheel and the other on the gun button. We drove for 20 minutes more in silence while I weighed the odds against trying to take him from behind. He was doing 50 by that time, and we were on the open road at least five miles from town. But gun or no gun, I wasn't going to let him waltz me around again, Willie. So I moved up suddenly and grabbed his throat while his hand shot up and pressed the Luger muzzle against my cheek. Stop this car. Let go. I shoot. Go ahead and I'll twist this wheel around. I swear I shoot. Let go. Hey, look out. We hit a tree head on and the car was a wreck. I got out of it lucky with a twisted shoulder and a cut on my cheek while the driver's head smacked into the dashboard and knocked him cold. Hey, hombre. Wake up. Hombre. ¿Qué es eso? That's crazy, hombre. Now, I've got the Luger. Can you stand? No puedo andar. Try it. Come on, get on your feet. Caramba. That's better. Now, let's keep it in English. You were pretty good at it before. What's the deal? Señor. Who paid you to take me for a ride? I do not remember. Will you remember better if I massage your skull with this Luger? Senor, por favor. I'm a poor man. For a few pesos, I do someone a favor. A few pesos? I'm not worth much, am I? I was not to hurt you, senor. Just to drive you to the house. What house? It is near here. Okay, let's go. Senor? I said let's go to that house, hombre. He took me through the woods about a half a mile. So we reached a broken-down shack with a car parked in front of it. It was a big job, European, a Mercedes, and it looked in Congress standing in front of that hovel. I nudged the guy with my gun, and we stopped for a minute while I took stock of our surroundings. This is the joint? Si. Who owns that car? I don't know, senor. Who lives in the shack? I don't know, senor. Do you know you're alive? Si, senor. Congratulations. Come on, we're moving up to that busted window to see who's inside. We approached the window slowly, bent half over, and when we reached the house wall, I raised my head inch by inch until I could peer through the broken glass. The first guy I noticed was the hatchet man who'd chased me through the streets, and then I spotted the guy who called himself Kurt Steuben. Between them was another character with his back to me and his head hunched over, almost hidden by an upturned coat collar. This was the missing man, the guy Gonzalez told me about but before I could get a good look at his face, his sidekick spotted me, raised his hand, and fired point-blank through the window. I felt a stab of pain in my right wrist, and I dropped the gun. Then everything happened at once. The driver lunged, the shack door opened, the air was filled with oath, orders, and whistling. 
How I got back to town, Potter, I don't know. I remember how dark it was as I tore through the woods and the way my spine crawled every time I heard a noise behind me and thought they were closing in. But I found the highway at last and bummed a ride back into the city on a banana cart. Because when you came into the picture again, you great, big, lovable slob. Morgan. Yeah, Morgan. What's happened to you? You're... You're a mess. I'll tell you what happened to me, Potter. I've been con, chased, mauled, and shot at. I played tag with a gunman and wound up crawling out of a car wreck with a radiator cap in my teeth. Oh, your wrist? Ah, it's just a little flesh wound. Forget it. Listen, I'm convinced I walked into the biggest rhubarb since Lincoln's assassination. Somebody big's on the loose, Potter. Someone so hot his pals go in for mass murder just to keep it quiet. I'll wait just a minute, Charlie. Oh, you wait. How do you think I got into this condition, playing jacks? I tell you, there's something tremendous going on, Potter. Bigger than anything I've ever handled in my life. Look, look at look at this picture. It's the one I took from Gonzalez's room. She must have been his girlfriend, and he knew all the answers. And if he knew who this mystery character is, she will. But she doesn't. If I can find it. What did you say? I said she doesn't. The whole thing's a tempest in a teapot. Now, that's an original expression. How can you tell what this dame knows? Because she's inside my private office. She, she's what? They found Gonzalez's body half an hour ago. She came in to give me the story. Gonzalez was mixed up with a small-time heister, a crook who broke out of jail. A crook who... And you believe that yarn? Why not? Look at me! That's why not! Would a small-time crook have an organization so slick I can't move down the street without being tailed by a walking arsenal? Oh, no. now take it easy, Charlie. Here she comes. I... I'm going now, Mr. Potter. Well, thank you for coming in to see us. Oh, uh... This is Mr. Morgan. He was the man who found your fiancé's body. Miss Briar Talon, Charlie. It must have been terrible. I warned him. Faked him to change his way. He wouldn't listen. Then when he tried to tell you where Rivera was hiding out, he was murdered. Found his body in the woods. Outside of the city. Who is Rivera? The con who escaped. They got an alarm out for him. You're an American, Miss Collin? I was educated in Chicago. Why do I? Gonzalez was Spanish. Of course. I was uh, just wondering uh, where he met him. Here. I knew him for the past two years. He wasn't a criminal. He was a well-educated man. He met the wrong companion. I loved him. Goodbye, Mr. Pop. You've been very kind. Goodbye, Miss Collins. Mr. Morgan. Goodbye. Long. I wish I could help you both. Please. She's lying, Father. What? They set this up to put us off the scent. They'll probably knock off this escape con themselves so he can take the rap for killing Gonzalez. But I'm not going to let it go at that. What are you going to do? They've been on my tail for the past eight hours. Now it's my turn. I'm going to chase Miss Fryer Talon. I saw her enter a cab as I hit the street, and I climbed into another one and followed. We drove up the main drag to the center of town, and her taxi stopped in front of one of the plushier joints, a big white stone affair that looked like an embassy. She walked inside, and I went around to the back and let myself in through the service entrance. I passed through a butler's pantry, then a hall, and found her in a reception room, just taking off her hat. Hello again. You. Mm, me. You followed me. Sure. Why? 
Because you lied before. Gonzalez wasn't mixed up with a small-time gangster. This rhubarb is bigger. <laughs> You're very rash, my good-looking friend. Uh-uh. The word is stubborn. As long as you're here, sit down, relax. I'll get you a drink. No, don't bother. And stay away from that desk drawer. What are you looking for? A gun? I'm becoming a very cautious guy, lady. <laughs> don't be silly. You've changed a little in the last half hour, baby. Have I? Mm-hmm. In Potter's office, you gave a pretty good imitation of the bereft sweetheart. Well, since you were astute enough to see through my story, why bother to play act anymore? Who's the man with the upturned coat collar? Beg your pardon? I saw his back in the hovel outside of town. He's the one who's supposed to be dead, isn't he? I thought you already knew all the answers. What's his name, honey? I haven't the slightest idea. You sure you won't have a drink? And have you flavored it with cyanide? No, thanks. <laughs> you don't mind if I have one, then? So you were uh, educated in the States, huh? I was. Where were you born? In a hospital. Ah, ah, very funny. You've got me in stitches. You're such a nice-looking boy. Why do you want to bring trouble on yourself? I like trouble. It agrees with my appetite. Be careful of your choice of food. I wouldn't want you to upset your stomach. As soon as uh, you finish that drink, sweetie, you can get your hat. Oh, we going somewhere? Policia, senorita. <laughs> You're not serious. Do I look like I'm laughing? <laughs> you couldn't possibly take me to the police, darling. No? Why not? Because that gun you were looking for is in someone else's hand. And he's standing right behind you. Good evening. Herr Steuben, I presume. Looks like we're back where we started. I was running, wasn't I? And one of your goons was on my tail. But the chase ends here. Fry up. Yes. Bring the car onto the back and call Bauer. What shall I tell him? Say, the fox is cornered. We will dispose of the pelt on the bridge. You want me to drive you there? Yes, yeah, no. Are we uh, uh, taking a little ride? Exactly. <laughs> is this trip necessary? <laughs> you are a warm one, mein Herr, but we will cool you off. You will walk out of this house and into the car with both your hands in your pockets. You will be careful not to utter a sound. Make myself clear? Very. Good. And let me warn you, my friend. One false move, and I shoot to kill. We drove in silence until we left the city limits. Any bright ideas I had about making a break were dampened slightly by the rod he was pressing against my ribs. I didn't know where we were going, and I didn't bother to ask, because I had a funny feeling I wasn't coming back. Stay on this road, fire. I know the way, Kurt. Are you uh, comfortable, my friend? Oh, extremely. Good. Look, as long as my future doesn't look very promising, you might, uh, you might ease that gnawing sense of curiosity that's been burning me up for the past 12 hours. And for which you have paying surprise. Who is he? Who's this mystery guy who's so hot you've got to keep him under wraps by leaving a trail of stiffs from here to the Amazon? You will know who he is very shortly, my friend. You mean I'm going to see him? Yes. When? As soon as you reach the bridge. And, uh, what happens... After that, I prefer not to discuss that. 
It's a very distressing subject, especially for me. You see, it is very important that your body is not found. It would create a greater disturbance than Gonzalez, merely because you're a newspaper man. Oh, you flatter me. So we will leave it to the piranha fish to dispose of you. Have you seen them operate? What? They attack in schools. Give them ten minutes and they can do away with anything alive that happens to drop into the water. I just can't wait. What? The bridge? Yeah, I see the cars there already. Stop here, fire. The bridge was a wobbly affair, made of wood, suspended across the river below. A car was parked in the center. The Mercedes I saw before, and the guy behind the wheel must have been the gorilla who chased me in the arcade. But it was the second man I was interested in, the one with the upturned collar. And he was standing just outside the car in the center of the bridge, watching it. You ask to have your curiosity satisfied, my friend. Look for yourself. Who is he? You cannot see? No, he's in the shadows and his collar's still turned up around his head. Friar. Yes? Drive on across the bridge. I will take care of this one here. You are honored, my friend. He has come down himself to see that we dispose of you properly. But who is he? I, I can't see him. What, what's his name? His name, my hey, friend, hey, is... The what? bridge is cracking! Uh, bridge was weak, and it couldn't hold the weight of those two heavy cars. Just as it buckled, I'd leap free to the bank, but Steuben went down with the others. As the cars bubbled underwater, I saw the surface suddenly come alive with piranha fish as they moved in for the kill. The next thing I knew, a head bobbed up in the water, gasping for air. It was a mystery man with the upturned coat collar, and just before the fish pulled him under, I caught a glimpse of a trick mustache and heard him scream. <laughs> Potter, you know what piranha fish can do. I searched the riverbank for an hour or two, but all I found was part of an overcoat, the coat the trick mustache was wearing. Inside, I found a billfold, Potter, and in the billfold, a water-soaked card. It looked like some kind of a political party identification tag. Only the ink had run, and I could hardly read what it said. But I was able to make out two things on the card, Potter. One was a crossed symbol in the form of a swastika on the upper right-hand corner, and the other was what was left of a name on the bottom. A first name, Potter. Adolf. The Chase was created and written for the National Broadcasting Company by Lawrence Clee. Featured in tonight's cast was Vinton Hayworth. Others were Doris Dalton, Stephen Schnabel, Wendell Holmes, and Louis Van Ruten. The Chase was directed and transcribed by Walter McGraw. Next week, another exciting script involves a search for gold and sudden death when you follow The Chase.
Next, it's First Nighter on NBC. That was The Chase here on the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. Once again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. And that episode was The Newspaper Reporter, but the full title of that is Newspaper Reporter Chases Nazis or Finds the Germans or something like that. I've seen it listed in so many different ways, but all of them were essentially a synopsis of the story. Right. However, I have seen it listed as just the newspaper reporter, so I chose the most spoiler-free right. version of the title to include here. Because one of them somewhere says the newspaper reporter chases Germans in South America. I mean, it just right. starts getting really specific. <laughs> right. Wearing right. size nine and a half shoes. Yes. <laughs> That's a brand new one for me. Never even heard of the uh, radio series The Chase. Uh, so, you know, yeah, Hound and Fox, right? Chicken and Worm, Roadrunner and Coyote. <laughs> no, right? it seems to work its way down the evolutionary ladder. <laughs> to, it's like Chicken and Worm, Fruit um, Fly and Banana. <laughs> let's uh, start with you, Joshua. Where did you find it? Why did you bring it to us? Where Why did from? I bring it to you guys? <laughs> Hitler eaten by piranhas. <laughs> You're all very welcome. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I stumbled uh, on the chase after listening to some episodes of The Clock, uh, which Tim introduced to us several You were on the alphabetical old-time radio (laughs) (laughs) playlist. Yeah, and I really like these stories, the ones I've heard from Mr. Klee. They are all very action-oriented, but they vary a lot in tone. There are ones that are pretty lighthearted and comical, some that are a little surreal. Uh, This is a really nice, standard, super action-packed one. Mm. And I thought Eric would like a little action Mm. after the navel-gazing of the Wendigo last week. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a fact. And you'll be very glad to know what I'm about to read to you from my notes. In big, giant capital letters, now that's my kind of radio show. (laughs) I can't tell you how much I loved every single second of this. I love how it was written. I love the action of it. This is so why I got into old-time radio. This is my kind of story for millions of reasons. Uh, It is a Maltese Falcon feel, a film noir feel. Very hard-boiled dialogue. Very hard-boiled dialogue, but it's got that... That Hitchcock feel man in a situation that he was uninvited, yet now he's got to solve the situation he's in. Innocent bystander ends up in a bad place. Uh, it's very film noir. And I, and I was like, oh, well, I'm going to ask Joshua, are they all like this? Because I want to listen to more. And you just answered that, that they're not all like this. I haven't listened to all of them. There are a lot of them that still exist. I've maybe listened uh-huh. to the first Eight or nine of them. Okay. And I just went through in chronological order. But they were all a little different. They're not all like this. No, there are some. Uh, I think this is one of the best for just straightforward action sequences that right. I have heard so far. It was a, an absolute joy. Nazis, and as you mentioned, oh my God, Hitler getting eaten by piranhas. You can't <laughs> ask for a better ending. <laughs> that, you cannot. That they really transformed the experience for me of everything that had come before. <laughs> I'm going to have to unpack this metaphor, but for me, it was like being at the mall at Christmas. Here we go. <laughs> it was such a quintessentially hard-boiled story. 
that it almost wasn't a hard-boiled story. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like I'm surrounded and inundated like you are at the mall at Christmas with something I enjoy. And but... somewhere there's Hitler. <laughs> <And> somewhere... <laughs> but it was a lot of like this is a lot of hard-boiled going on right oh, yeah. now. And the whole chase concept as a show was always sort of present with me of this is a story that we've sort of hung some ornaments on a, tr- a chase. Mm-hmm. And they're really nice ornaments. <laughs> but it also, I sort of disengaged a little because, like, it's just at its heart running around. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a couple guys running around. I saw... A double feature once of, of, and forgive me, one of the the new Star Wars, meaning the uh, the second three that were made, and the first Marvel Spider Man. Okay, we watched them back to back with my buddy, and I said, "So what'd you think?" And he was lighting a cigarette, and he lit a cigarette, and he blew it out. Well, that was a lot of jumping around. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought about it. I said, yeah, that pretty much sums up both those movies. Let me say something about old-time radio for me. You guys have introduced me to uh, a genre that I really didn't pay much attention to. You guys being fans of, like, Lovecraft and uh, Edgar Allan Poe, and, and, and you like scary things, and you like horror stories. And these aren't things that I really paid much attention to before I met you guys, and especially since doing this podcast. So choosing a scary story like that wouldn't be what I... But choosing a suspense and mysteries and murder mysteries... So you get into I Love a Mystery and The Shadow. And those are the things that attracted me to old-time radio and what I love the most. And I've learned to love the genre that you fellas really enjoy. But this was exactly what I love about old-time radio. I had so much fun listening to this. (laughs) It had every single thing. You're running into another room and meeting a German. Oh, my God. He puts on a monocle. (laughs) (laughs) that's how you know they're nazis that and how they hold their cigarettes and to 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 finish my little half complaint of uh is going through this and like it's really sort of both a total embodiment of this idea and a stereotype and then there's the mysterious guy in the coat who's the mysterious it's hitler i love this That takes some nerve. Put Hitler in that coat. At what point did you realize it was Hitler? When they said Adolf. I was in such denial up to that point of like, oh, it's going to be the the woman. Oh, no, no, no. The woman's somebody else. Okay, it's going to be his boss. No, no, the boss isn't. Okay, it's some Nazi high. Adolf. I just did not accept it. Had to be some other Adolf. I know. I'm still kind of halfway. Like, it's not necessary. The mustache was fake, guys. Come on. Well, that's what I wanted to ask you guys. I felt at the end that I should have called this right away, and I didn't until he said trick mustache. It just didn't even cross my mind. I think partly because it is so hard-boiled and follows so many of the, like Tim is saying, hard-boiled tropes. Mm -hmm. You know, finding a dead body in the hotel room. We've got Mm -hmm. the femme fatale. All the things we've already mentioned Mm -hmm. that it kept derailing me. And on a second listen, I was like... This is so obviously going to be Hitler. <laughs> when he was approached in the bar and he said, there is a man presumed dead who has come back to life. Are you interested for $500? I said out loud because I had headphones on. My wife was next to me on her computer doing work. And so out loud, remember, I haven't talked for, you know, an hour. And uh, all of a sudden she hears me go, Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, what? 
I said, nothing. I just figured this out. I knew where we were going uh, because I recognized this form and what was going on so fast. And I was so happy. I was just like, here we go, Hitler. What I didn't know was coming is that he was going to be eaten alive by piranhas (laughs) and scream. And that was so awesome. But yes, I knew... Where it was going? Well, they're in South America. Like, oh yeah, you should have known from the top. Correct. I, I just didn't didn't cross my mind. There is also another interesting thing at the beginning of this that it reminded me, not reminded me. It seemed a lot like reading uh, Hunter S. Thompson's The Rum Diaries. Have you ever read The Rum Diaries? I have not. No. It's his first novel, I think, his first novel. But he, when he was very young, ended up working for a newspaper in Cuba. And uh, took notes and a lot of journal stuff. And then much later in his life, he wrote the Rome Diaries about writing for this newspaper in Cuba. Uh, it was very, very similar up until uh, <laughs> Hitler. But, uh, he, uh, but it was really funny. Here he is in this locale. He's getting fired. He's a drunk. He does not want to work. It was, oh, my God, this is the Rome Diaries. It was really interesting. And there's about three people out there that have read that and said, you are right, Eric. Oh, wow. I the love book reference this time too. You're on <laughs> fire. <laughs> this is your podcast. Uh, but I loved the opening. Potter, you're a bum. Yeah. You heard me. You're a bum. This is Charlie Morgan telling you right into your own dictaphone. <laughs> and I just want that to be how we tell people off from now on, whether they right. have a dictaphone or know what a dictaphone is. <laughs> Yeah, from now on, if sure. you're wrong, I'm just going to tell you right in your dictaphone. Make sure you add the word to phone. <laughs> I also want to call out, uh, in particular, the, the scene of spying through the window. And the first time you see the shadowy figure and the gunshots through the window. That's all so such amazing action sequence for radio. Mm-hmm. I thought it was extremely well done that how easily you could see what was going on. Yeah. And I love the Foley and how it was written and how fast it moved. It was almost like watching a movie. And I really enjoyed that about it. And no one uh, stopped to uh, recite poetry. <laughs> okay. Well, <here. laughs> Take that, Wendigo. Okay. I wasn't going to make this a postmortem on the Wendigo, but <laughs> <laughs> you don't mind if conversation doesn't sound realistic if it's a unrealistic conversation you like because there's nothing natural or realistic about the dialogue in here no they that's how they talk like back they... then <laughs> that's why i want to live then <laughs> they did not this is highly stylized uh, poetry they are speaking correct. in hard-boiled poetry here's why eric okay correct. and i'm telling you this in your dictaphone <laughs> <laughs> that is correct here's the difference the difference is getting the feeling of i'm stopping moving forward there you are absolutely right this never loses any momentum they can talk like that all they want and i like the language of it you're right there's a poetry to that that i like that kind of uh talk but it doesn't let's all stop and sit down while i pontificate about some things for a while it's him saying it and you get the feeling like he's saying it while he's uh, you know running full speed down a street you know what i'm saying is it's that energy level that just keeps driving forward and it's not only moving forward but urgency Yes, it never loses his urgency, mm-hmm. ever. He's basically yelling all of his lines. <laughs> <laughs> While he's on a banana cart. Yeah. 
<laughs> the other thing I really like about the opening is that uh, Morgan is so angry uh, for reasons we don't know yet. He's basically, he's at the beginning, he's angry because uh, Hitler got eaten by piranhas and no one will ever believe him, which is kind of <laughs> funny to retroactively fill in why he's so angry, Doggy the Potter. Uh, but then we segue to the scene in which uh, he is fired and his boss Potter, he's played in such a mellow manner. And then we find out, well, maybe it's not irrational on Potter's part. He's being fired because he's a drunk and has lost most of his job, so mm-hmm. now he has no choice but to go to South America to be a not very good reporter. And so I like right away that you're, you're a little unsure of your protagonist at first. Right. But he's still sympathetic. Yeah. And I love when uh, his boss goes, you know, I'm firing you for several reasons, but I'll just give you two. You're a drunk and you're a terrible reporter. <laughs> Do I need to say more? Yeah, I want to know what the rest of them were. <laughs> yeah. What you did to that dog. <laughs> yeah, I, I wrote, man, that is a terrible, really mean way to fire someone. I mean, it's just so, he wasn't even apologetic. You know, <laughs> He was going to give him money for a plane ride home. Later he got, all right, I'll tell you what I'll do for you. But here's an interesting thought I had about this story. What, what year is this? 1952. 52. It's this. We're seven years removed from WW2. We didn't have the satisfaction of an eyewitness account that could tell us how Hitler died or film of it. Mm-hmm. So we can say, we watched him die or someone watched him die. It was a horrific death. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, this like, is yeah. wish fulfillment on the, on the R- part. This, this, probably someone who wrote this was in the war. They never got the satisfaction of seeing his face Devoured by piranhas. (laughs) I think there's something about this, though, that's beautiful. Um, Fulfilling for that whole generation to have him die in a horrid way. We won the war and it was all great, but just to watch. And then he screams in this. Yeah, scream and beg and be in pain. And I think that there is something to that that is satisfactory. Cathartic, yeah. yeah cathartic. Yeah. And, and more cathartic to listeners in 1952 correct. than to us right now. And there was the ongoing process of what do you do with the surviving Nazi command and trying to bring mm-hmm. them to justice. And, mm-hmm. and they were um, still out there. Yeah. They still are out Yeah, there. they're still finding them, and now they're like 90 and 100 years old, yeah, fighting out places. Found one near us not too long ago. <laughs> yeah. Remember that? Guy up in northeast oh. Minneapolis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No piranhas up there to get them. <laughs> <laughs> Just hipsters. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm looking at my notes here, and you know, it's all about I'm looking you. at mine, too, and I have in big letters, Eric better like this. <laughs> That's so funny because my last note was, uh, "Thank you so much, Joshua." <laughs> I know, that, I know you picked this for me, and but I love it. it. God, it was fun. It was so ridiculously fun, and I had a great time. The dialogue is great. I love this piece here because it pretty much sums up the story. Morgan is saying, I'll tell you what happened to me, Potter. I've been conned, chased, mauled, and shot, and I played tag with a gunman and wound up crawling out of a car wreck with a radiator cap in my teeth. <laughs> he just... <laughs> I'm <laughs> curious how to Very naturalistic the, dialogue. The rest of this series, because if it is, they take the concept of a chase and reconfigure the genre of it over and over again. That's fascinating. They really do. I mean, I, I, not in a radical way, but they're willing to do things that are not what you would always expect, which you would have to do. If your show is called The Chase and every week it was this, Eric would be happy, but not everyone else. The ecstatic. 
I can't wait to listen to more of these, but uh, maybe if you've listened to them all already for me, you can just tell me which ones I should listen to. I will screen them for you. Thank you. Because you get nothing but time. Yeah. I'm like the old radio sampler for the king. <laughs> he doesn't die of boredom while listening to it. All right. Well, any other thoughts, gentlemen, on this? Thank you again. I owe you, man. <laughs> I owe you. I will tell you that I believe it stands the test of time uh, from the standpoint if you like this kind of thing. It's mm-hmm. really good at what it is, and if you like it, it stands the test of time. In that specific little area of what it is, it is a classic. <laughs> but it is, you know, of course, not a classic of old-time radio, but gosh and golly, it was definitely great for that. I would, I would even unqualified say it stands the test of time. It is really well written. It is really well paced, um, and both the writing and production of it technically are so sharp to make thing, everything so vivid and well done. And Hitler gets eaten by piranhas, <laughs> and he screams. He not screams. a very manly scream no. either. Yeah, I mean, not that you do manly screams while being eaten by a piranha. <laughs> it's just a lot of ow, 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 ow. ow, ow. ow. <laughs> But it's, it was really high-pitched, and I thought someone had fun being like, let's see how effeminate we can make Hitler <laughs> while being devoured by piranhas. Uh, I don't it... know that I would go the full classic, although I would not begrudge Eric for saying so, but definitely sets the test of time. Yes. Yeah, I agree. This is just solid, great old-time radio. Uh, definitely stands the test of time. Verges on classic, but w- what I think after maybe hearing a few more episodes of The Chase, I think The Chase might end up being an underrated classic as yeah. a old-time radio show. Yeah. And I'm surprised that I don't hear it talked of more. It's, it's never heard of really it. Really solid, beautiful. All right. Well, thank you everybody for listening. Tim, tell us some stuff. Hey, uh, I invite folks, if not already there, to go to ghoulishdelights.com. There you can find other episodes of this podcast. You can find information about our live performances. We sometimes do live performances. You can find information about, uh, or link to, rather, our Threadless store. We sell some swag. Uh, You can link up to visit that store and buy some stuff, please. We appreciate it. Uh, that will also link you to our Facebook and Instagram pages because we love to interact with folks. Uh, and relatively new, Joshua. Yeah, we also have a Patreon page where you, our listeners, can become members of the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society. Um, and for your generous support, we have a lot of really cool rewards and uh bonus junk that you get, including um, an additional monthly podcast called The Secrets of the Old Time Radio, mainly dealing with even weirder old time radio curiosities than what we talk about on this version of the podcast. So yeah, uh, go to patreon.com slash the morals and check it out. We also want to uh, recommend a podcast uh, that we've been talking about for a couple weeks, and that is Breaking Walls. They're doing a series on the history of old-time radio, specifically radio drama, from the inception of radio through to the creation of radio drama, how it all ended, would radio drama be coming back. Uh, It's really interesting. Uh, So please check that out at uh, thewallbreakers.com. All right. Well, the next episode is my... I pick, and I have picked a request from a listener, a very uh, heartfelt request from a listener that we'll talk about next week. But we're going to be doing an episode of The Shadow called The Laughing Corpse. Until then, I caught a glimpse of a trick mustache and heard him scream. Ah!